0: Storygram Network. Hosting for this podcast is generously provided by Transistor at Transistor.fm.
1: Hi, my name is Laura Lee, and this is It's Not About Food. So it's not about food, and it's not about weight. What is it about? Everything else because it's never ever about food. Or wait, never ever, not even, one time, not ever, ever, ever. Hello everyone, this is Lori Lee Rourke from It's Not About Food podcast. And today we're talking about expression. And the card is so sweet. The front of it is the goddesses sort of wiggling around dancing and her little deer animal next to her is dancing as well. And it's a joyful card. And it is, I don't know, it's like get up and dance. We have these bodies, get up and dance, no matter what. What's the saying? If you can walk, you can dance. And even if you can't walk, you can dance because you can definitely move something around. So the name of the card, is expression and it reads expressing our feelings and ourselves is the only way to live our truth in our bodies hearts and souls many times we have been taught that to express our feelings is harmful to others and ourselves but if we learn how to express our feelings honestly and constructively it is beneficial to everyone so this is so true and I completely forget this a lot of the times that if I actually express my feelings honestly and constructively. Not only is it good for me, but it's good for them. Truth is always truth and it's always good. Even if somebody doesn't want to hear it. If I say to a client to recover from your eating disorder, you might have to let go of the idea of what your body should look like because it will look like it wants to look like, and you may not like it, but you have to let go of that diet culture idea. They do not want to hear that, and I didn't want to hear it. The first time I heard it, I was like, that's okay for you, but I'm not doing that, (laughs) you know? So to express our feelings and ourselves, I feel like that's what I ate over. Wasn't that I just didn't have any willpower and I, I was a bad dieter. It was that I wasn't expressing my feelings and i wasn't expressing myself so true truly and i was taught that nobody wanted to hear it anyway so just say what you know what i was told to say how are you doing Laura Lee? fine how are you fine okay let's go on <laughs> but i wasn't fine a lot of the time and the other person wasn't fine but we didn't feel like we could say that we couldn't say that we weren't fine nobody wanted to hear it and to let yourself express yourself in ways of, Creativity and dancing and movement and writing and poetry. I mean, it is what really keeps our soul chugging along, I think. Anyway, so I am so happy to have Mary Beth with me today, and she's going to talk about what she does and why she picked the card expression and who she is and what she's all about. Mary Beth,
0: take it and tell us a little bit about yourself. I will, Laura Lee. There's so much that you just said that I want to respond to, <laughs> but I will start by introducing myself. You just said so many poignant things and that point to exactly why I chose this card. So I'm Mary Beth Weinstock and I had my very first internship in dance movement therapy about 50 years ago. Which I can't believe I'm saying when those words come out of my mouth. I know we
1: started Beyond Hunger in 1988, and every time I think that, that's a whole other (laughs) century—not
0: even the one we're in right now. So long ago. So I was an undergraduate school, and I was trying to figure out what I wanted my major to be. I loved all the creative arts, and I had performed since I was a child. And I also loved teaching, and I loved psychology, and I loved sociology. I loved so many things. And I I couldn't figure out what to do. And then in my dance history class, we saw films about dance movement therapy, and I was blown away. And I thought, oh, my God, that's it. That's what I want to do with my life. And my wonderful professors found an internship, actually with one of the mothers of dance movement therapy, in a psychiatric hospital nearby my school. So I got to start studying it then and watching the magic of what is it like for people to come awake in their bodies and express themselves through their bodies? People who are suffering terribly, who were at that point, people were kind of incarcerated in psych hospitals. So there was so much numbing and dissociation. And then they would come down into the basement of the hospital, Shepard Pratt Hospital, and have a chance to move and dance and make art and make music. And it was just I was spellbound from that moment on. And so I've had this wonderful way of using my beloved art form dance to help people figure out a way out of their suffering and to express themselves in ways that might be more accessible than verbal expressions. For some people, verbal expression is harder because of just what you were talking about. We're often taught not to do that in certain some cultures. In our culture, there's that being fiercely independent and proving your strength through shutting down. <laughs> there's so much of that in our culture. And in the arts, it's the opposite. And when you were talking, I was actually thinking about Anita Johnston's Eating in the Light of the Moon. In chapter three, she talks about exactly what you were talking, about i read it to my clients a lot and they start crying because that's how they often felt that they were taught to not listen to their deepest instincts in which which are housed in our body they're deep in our body they're taught not to do that and so they become cut off they become cut off from their body from their own expression from their feelings from what their deepest inclinations are telling them to do for all of us that's we've inherited that from the animals so gut instinct when you think about gut instinct it's in our gut. And it's just from the gut. And that's where eating disorders live. They live in other parts of our body as well. But if you're cut off from your gut, then having an eating disorder makes sense
1: for sure of course it does and the layers of what we have been taught and what is our truth are many layers that we have to peel off and let go of I can remember feeling like that onion of I'm gonna let go of this layer because that doesn't even belong to me (laughs) you know this is my mother's idea this is my first teacher's idea this is my friend's idea Idea. This isn't even anything that I came up with at all. So, to let go of those ideals and ideas that were supposed to be fine, or fine because nobody wants to hear it, that was a huge one for me to really let go of that idea that I don't have to just always say I'm fine. You know, There are times when it's more appropriate to not just spill your gut, sister, but (laughs) it's also other times when it's more than fine to say, oh, I'm having a little struggle today.
0: And sometimes the scenario for people with eating disorders is that everybody else has been given permission or the parents have been given permission to express their feelings, but the children are parentified and need to take care of instead of having their feelings, being in the service of their other family members' feelings. And also there's what you were just talking about. This can be intergenerational, trying to understand the intergenerational legacy burdens. We call them legacy burdens in internal family systems work, which I love. It combines so well with dance movement therapy, but understanding that these ways of of thinking and behaving have been passed down from generation to the point where they're not even thought about. They're just unconscious. Like in this family, we whatever, or in this culture, we whatever. It's like in this family, we
1: do this or we don't do that. So you must get in line too. And that doesn't make any sense
0: to me. It made sense in the 1800s, but today it doesn't. In the family, it makes sense somehow. So there can be loyalty binds that we need to work with. And dance Movement therapy, all of this comes to light because we're not speaking, we're seen we're seeing, it's a very gentle journey. Is it okay that I'm switching gears into that? Or did you want to talk? No, 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 no. Do you go where you go?
1: Because (laughs) I want to know, how do you start that process of trusting? Like you have an eating disorder. So I'll say me before I got recovery. I so much hated my body that
0: I didn't want to dance. That's right. Exactly. And dance movement therapy isn't just about dancing. I sometimes don't say we're going to do dance. I sometimes just call it movement group. (laughs) Because that can be so terrifying to so many clients when they hear the word dance, unfortunately. And just what you were saying, it has to be a very gentle journey. So I explain that right away, whether I'm doing individual work or group work, that it's a gentle journey and that in dance movement therapy, we're finding a gentle way in. And I'm always going to acknowledge exactly what you just said. There's this fear of the body. There's a dissociation from the body. Sometimes people feel betrayed by their body, and it might be for very good reason. It could be that when they were a baby, they were born with some kind of condition that made it very hard to move. I had a client once who had a spinal condition that she had surgery from the time she was an infant. So she had to prepare herself from the time she was an infant to not be in her body because there was so much pain and then developed an eating disorder. You can totally understand that journey of coming from this fear and betrayal to feeling betrayed by her body, feeling fear of her body, feeling fear of feeling her body, and then how that would develop into an eating disorder. Some clients have had other traumas through their body, physical abuse, sexual abuse, and all of that is so important to acknowledge When we set out on the journey and really eating food makes you feel your body, just tasting the food and swallowing the food, you're going to start to experience your body and feel your body. And that might feel terrifying just to feel your body.
1: Tell you, it was for me for sure. I lived from the neck up. I lived in my head and it hurt to live in my body. And I was very mad at my body because it didn't conform to an impossible thing. It's like it didn't grow wings so I could fly. It would be like that. It wasn't gonna, I could beat it into submission, but it wouldn't stay there. It was like a little bread with yeast. It just kept trying to rise and I'd beat it down and then I would try to rise, so.
0: Right. So, one of the first things I said to the people I work with is that, yes, I understand that. And you can't move through this world without your body. <laughs> Right? Yeah, you, this you was have so body, discouraging. Right? <laughs> you have a body and then they'll glare at me, but I'm like, yeah. yeah, I know. So that's what we're here to work with. Talk about what is that? Why are you glaring at me right now? Why is that painful for you? What is it that's so hurtful about that, that yes, we're human beings and we have bodies. And then how do we reclaim the body? How do we reconnect with the body in a way that's not going to be agonizing? Hopefully, I mean, there actually, there is some pain in the journey for sure that you've worked with people with eating disorder for so long as I have and I tell them I know that this is going to be painful eating food and balancing out and recalibrating getting everything back online again all the systems back online again hurts it took a lot of pain to get to where you are and it's going to be painful to come back to life again but then you get to be alive you get to be alive you get to reclaim who you are you get to reclaim your body you get to reclaim your expression you get to eat food and have your feelings and <laughs> That all sounds terrifying. That when clients start to feel it again, and when their brains start to clear out, I know that happened for me when I healed from my eating disorder, having just having the brain space back again was such a relief to not have it filled with all those thoughts and all those compulsions and all those obsessions about food and about my body and about numbers. It's just such a relief. Yes. I felt like
1: a lot of my eating disorder life was doing math in my head at all times. Oh my God. Counting every all the time. Weight and fat grams and calories and days. If I do this for so many days, I'll do this. And if I get to the gym these many days, and how do I work that to me, it was exhausting. But I felt like, what else was I supposed to do? Because this was not going to be okay, however this was. And to be freed of that, sort of like we've been brainwashed. So we believe in the leading idea. And when that idea is built on sand and is not even true, then what do we believe next? And to believe in myself was very, I'd never been taught to believe in myself. It was like, what, what? I don't know what to do.
0: And eating disorders are a very efficient way of accomplishing that. That sitting on those feelings, protecting us from our feelings, what a great way to do it. It really works. It's just that it can kill people. It's so deadly. So that's our problem that we have to face with our clients. Do you want to live? And I want you to live. And I'm here to help you live. And I want to do that. And I'm going to fight hard with you and for you. And are you in? Because I want to do this with you. And I know I'm going to show my age
1: with saying this, is, but I can remember thinking to myself, I wanted to be as thin as Karen Carpenter, but not die. Like I wanted to be right on the edge, but not die. Isn't and that
0: the saddest
1: thing? Yeah, that was my goal.
0: But isn't that, and then when clients start to realize That when people start to realize that, wait a minute, why is that my goal? I know.
1: Why is that my goal? Better to want something else besides being thin. Right. And then to have compassion for yourself that you live in a society that tells you that's okay to have that as your goal.
0: Oh, God that you're going to make a whole lot of very selfish people, a whole lot of money wanting
1: that Yes. Goal. And then to have acceptance, okay, that was my goal, but now my goal has to be life. And that is very confusing. So I love the expression, the expressive arts and the expression of your body being able to do something that maybe your head's not quite ready to let you do, you know. So
0: in the work that I do, I used to work a little bit differently than I do now. I'm very influenced by my dance teacher, Anna Halpern, who passed away this past summer. She was hundred years old. Wow. She was amazing. I took dance class with her when she was in her nineties and she was still the most compelling mover in the class. Oh my gosh. Um, and she was, that was one of the films I saw when I was in undergraduate school, when I decided to become a dance movement therapist, I saw her work with people around dance and social justice. And I, I just couldn't believe that existed and that I could fulfill so many of my passions through dance movement therapy and, and do that as my work. I was just astounded. So one of her main point of working with her was we didn't have mirrors. We often moved with our eyes closed and it was about listening deeply to our body. And I, I love that so much, just really listening. Like if I move my hand, if I open my hand, what's the next thing my hand wants to do? If I op- just open my hand, it's just such simple, beautiful movement. And then if I do that same gesture, if I turn and I open my hand towards the person next to me, that shifts because then I'm communicating with the person next to me and it's so simple. So when expression has become you know, so fraught with so many things, to just learn once again, to just commune with just simple movement, I'm going to open My hand, and how does that feel? I'm going to open my other hand. How does that feel? StoryGram Network. Welcome to One Media, One Media. (laughs) i When
1: you're whining with nurses,
0: it's a place I like to call The Bleed.
1: My name is Laura Lee, and this is It's Not About Food. (laughs) The art of
0: being yay isn't just something he developed. Storygram Network. We were just talking before we came on about that this card, that the pictures of her wiggling, you know, what if I just wiggle my fingers? What if I listen to the rhythm of my breath and I allow my hands to move with the rhythm of my breath? What does that feel like? So just a tuning. So I love the term attuning and we use it a lot in movement, in dance movement therapy that we're attuning to our clients, to their needs and to their feelings and to what we're noticing in the room about movement, even if there's just a slight movement, or if there's no movement, what does that look like? If there's rigidity, if there's fear and tension in the body, what does that look like? So just being really clear with, like when you were saying the truth, you know, just really noticing that, how is the person I'm within their body? If I'm talking to them about just extending their hand out, can they even do that? And if they can't, then let's figure that out. What is that about? How it feels frightening about just Moving your hand out so they get a chance to put words to it, to feel attuned to, and to be validated about that. Are you afraid right now? Tell me about that. I'm here to listen. I'm here to hear you. I'm here to, you know, listen to your body. I'm here to listen to what feels painful to you, what feels frightening to you, and let's do that together. Let me give you company and support in that, so you're not alone in that. And that can be scary too if they've been like just what you were saying that you were taught to shut down, right? To not listen to yourself. Then What is it like to have someone say, I'm going to be with you in that shutdown. And then I'm going to invite you to be here with me and see what is it like. I call it thawing when people start to thaw. And then they, you know, like someone who hasn't been able to move, then, you know, when they start to feel their breath and the, and the breath stops being so shallow and, and maybe make a gesture outwards, then we're thawing and we're in the space together. And, and then we can start to express.
1: As you're saying this, I remember the very first time I was already recovered for many years, really. The first yoga class I actually took. The whole class I went, I paid my money and I went in and I just gave myself over to the yoga uh, and to the teacher. I didn't know anything about it really. And I could not believe how hard it was and how much it hurt to breathe into this posture, into this pose, into this savasana you know to just lay there and just let your body rest it was sort of like no i'd rather be sticking needles in my eyes <laughs> it's so
0: exactly oh my gosh that's why so many residential treatment programs will have rest time built into it because there's this fear of just being still on the body yeah and, and not quiet resting. i can't rest i can't rest right well, yeah you, and the clients will say or people will say i can't do nothing and i always say it's not doing nothing <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) Resting is doing something so important. Our bodies need, our hearts need rest, our minds need rest. We need that so badly. And you are doing something really essential. And if I have to say that a thousand times, I'll say it a thousand times until
1: it finally gets I know, but it's it's very hard because you're a beautiful teacher and a wonderful example. So am I. And then I tell people it's okay to rest. It's okay to eat. It's okay to walk around. It's okay to be who you are. Whatever shape and size you come in, it's okay. And then they walk and they're like, oh, woo. okay fine and in my space and then they walk out the door and they're told exactly the opposite until they walk back in the next week and it's very i was too of course i was taught to always be busy idle hands is the devil's workshop i was told that it was Not okay to just rest. That was laziness. And it was not okay to have a boundary. That was selfishness. And it was not okay to look however way. I don't even know what my body wanted to look like, you know, when I had my eating disorder because I didn't let it look like it wanted to look like. I forced it into a very, very narrow shape, if you will. There was no way to go Everything's over. Everything's
0: restricted.
1: Everything was restricted.
0: Everything gets restricted. So I was just thinking when you were talking about that, that in internal family systems where we talk about parts. So when we've been through trauma and we've had to shut down, we'll have hypervigilant, like this little hypervigilant army yes. of parts <laughs> that are attenuated to all of those negative signals. So they're hearing, see, That one's telling you, this one's telling you this. So they're looking for validation to keep you shut down. But when you start to heal, then you can start to attune to someone like you. Yes. I would gravitate to someone like you instead of to the folks who are telling us very ugly things about who we are and who we should be. So we start to listen, our ears open, our inner ears open, our heart opens to listening to who is really my friend, who is really on my side, who really cares about me. I'm going to listen to that when I take care of myself and when I express myself. I often think that all of us who
1: work with eating disorders should get a sort of like we should put out that we are a cult breaker. <laughs> you oh, know. No, I like that. <laughs> and, and, and you can rent yes, us we to meet you in a motel, and we're going to drive
0: that cult out of your head <laughs> because it's yeah, not oh true. Yeah. I know. And they're just everywhere. All yes. over Social media making money off oh, of it. Oh,
1: it's the cult of thinness and the cult of everlasting beauty and youngness. And it's the cult of you'd have to be light, even if you're a person of color, okay, where you yeah. need to be a light person of color. And if you're not these things, then there's this product that or this thing you can buy that will make you into that thing. And then you'll be happy. And of course, we all know that happiness comes from accepting what is and loving yourself unconditionally and having compassion that you're being taught something else.
0: Eating yummy food. (laughs) Eating yummy food. It's also the cult of the flat stomach, right?
1: Oh, it is. How
0: ridiculous because it's when you eat food, your stomach gets round. <laughs> so, right, th- like they've set up this impossible. It's just, oh God, it's so, it's maddening. It's maddening and it makes people feel really crazy because it's like, what's wrong with me that my stomach isn't flat? Well, your stomach isn't flat because stomachs hold food. The only (laughs) way to do that is by not
1: eating it. It's the cult of fitness that will kill so many people every year. And even if it doesn't kill you completely, your whole body, it kills your soul and your mind and your life. So recovery from an eating disorder is really about grabbing onto that rope and holding on to an idea that somebody else is saying that you can live, you can do this until you know that you can do it. Because I did not think I could at all. I didn't.
0: I'm telling everybody to read Sonia Renee Taylor, like everybody that I know to read her and just the roots of the body hatred and that there's so much racism and colonized thinking in it. I just, I'm telling every single person I know to read it now and to just understand where, even if you have one moment of thinking towards yourself, any kind of body shaming, any kind of body hatred, fat shaming, that you are aligning yourself with that hateful culture and that she asks us to really become extremely conscious about that because we're aligning ourselves with something that is so oppressive and to reclaim our body, reclaim our culture, reclaim who we are, reclaim eating food. So I I love that the social justice component of this has has come to light. The many years, that's needed to happen and and it's happening and it's great. I'm just going to shift gears one more time because I want to make sure that we have a limited amount of time and I want to make sure that I get to say this about expression that not all therapists agree with this, but I never use the term negative emotions. I don't think of any emotions as being negative. I think they're they're all essential. In the Don't Diet Live It workbook, she explains it so well that we have all of our emotions for really good reason. And if you're in grief, then you're going to be sad. If you see someone knock over an old lady and steal her groceries, you're going to be angry all for good reason. All of our emotions are essential to just navigate our world and to understand what we need to do next. And I really think of eating disorders as It's anger, but it's turned towards our body. It's turned towards our own body. It's turned towards food. And what are you really angry about? And that can take a long time for it to feel safe enough to get there. But what's my body taking the hit for? And I know that when I had my eating disorder, I was angry about so many things. And when I started to thaw, as I was saying earlier, and starting to understand what I was really angry about, and that taking it out on my body and on food weren't achieving anything except causing my own suffering. It was at whoever I was angry at, But I was hurting myself. So then, when I started really expressing what I was angry about in so many ways, then I became, that's when I started to recover and become free.
1: I love what you just said. And it reminds me of Janine Roth many years ago saying, We don't want to start crying because we think we'll never stop crying. We don't want to get angry. We'll never not be angry. That's the scary part. Our emotions are wild. Yeah, are going to take us so over.
0: Yeah. For so many people, they do have this dam that's full of feelings that haven't been expressed. So I talk about titration a lot, you know, <laughs> know. that we'll pull the cork out and then we'll put it back in. Yeah. I promise we're gonna right.
1: put the cork back in. Right. Or I promise if you let yourself feel anger, there will be a beginning, a middle, and an end. That's There right. will yeah. be, and then you'll go on, and there'll be something else that'll make you angry, or something else that'll make you sad, and it's okay. Move them through. You know that was a revelation to me, and it is to a lot of my clients when they say, "I'm just so negative all the time." It's like I think you're just so feeling all the time. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Yes. Be be okay with them. We're okay with the feelings of joy and laughter and happiness, but, oh, I don't want to look at that. I'm envious of somebody, you know, or that I don't think well of somebody else. I don't want to look at that, but feel it. It'll pass. It'll be okay. There's that little chart. Like I have a feeling, is there anything I can do about it? No. Okay. Then there's no problem. (laughs) Just let it go through.
0: That eating disorder voice is mean. Oh, it's it so us, mean. And then I think of it as like a periscope. It turns at us. And I used to have these horrible thoughts and I think, oh my God, I'm a nice person. I can't believe I'm thinking these horrible things about myself, about other people. Then when you start to realize that voice, what the purpose of that voice is and how it's, it's expressing something that you need to express in another way. Yes. yes,
1: As you're talking, it reminded me of the day that I decided that I was not going to be you know, I had been working on my own racism as a white woman that was raised in the South. And so I felt like I was getting much better accepting all people. And then I had to do that about size, sizeism. So if I was going to accept myself at whatever size I wanted to be or needed to be, or that my body wanted to be, I should say, then I was going to have to accept others. And that was like, wow, I didn't realize the sizeism that I had in it's in me. so inculcated, and it had nothing to do with reality because I had friends of all sizes, all colors, all people, and I loved those people so much. But I still had that negative thought of I don't know that I had been taught. And so when I said, "If I want to do this for me, I'm gonna to have to do it for everyone," and that was a huge piece of my work. I could feel like that layer just falling down and. It takes a while to get over these childhood ideas that were pounded into my head, but, or that's outside anywhere that we go. And it could be subtle. Sometimes it's not subtle at all. Oh, gosh, yes. So I just want to know, like, what's your website and how does somebody
0: get a hold of you? Oh, right. Yes. Yes. I meant to say that in the beginning that on Mondays, I work at the Lotus Collaborative, which is a beautiful facility for healing from eating disorders. It's a partial hospitalization and intensive outpatient partial program. So I do that one day a week. And then I also have a private practice working in dance movement therapy in Pacific Grove. And my website is creativetransition.net. transition.net. I love and, it. Um, my email address is mbdancer at sbcglobal.net. M is in Mary, B is in Beth Dancer at sbcglobal.net.
1: Great. And what was your website again? Because I don't have that
0: myself. Oh, creative transition.net. And it's named after my dissertation, was on women dancers in midlife coping oh. with the transition. But my dear friend Tara Rastar from my classes with Anna Halpern, she was in Anna Halpern's dance company. Oh, uh-huh. After I wrote my dissertation, she told me that she wanted to do workshops with me based on this. So we worked with women in midlife wow. um,
1: through Which dance. Is another time that is so fraught with worry and am I doing this wrong and I don't know how to do this and we forget that our female bodies have been here since the dawn of time
0: and our bodies know how to do it yeah yeah and the aging is beautiful as well there's a beauty inherent to age yeah yeah and we can
1: bring that out of the closet that these things happen now naturally and it's not a bad thing.
0: Oh, not only is it not a bad thing, it's beautiful. I love yeah. every, every line on my face. Oh, I love that. It's a map of mm. what I've been through.
1: Sure, of course. All now, this the side is uh, yeah. This is Hawaii, <laughs> right over here, and over here is worry about my son, and over here is this. <laughs> and, <laughs> I don't want that expression taken away. No, from me. me neither. <laughs> me neither. I am so grateful that you've been here, and I wonder
0: if you'll read the bottom of the card today. Today, I will experiment with different ways to express my feelings when they come up. I will let myself cry, laugh, get angry, excited, or have any other feelings that arise. And I will experiment with constructive ways to express them, such as writing, drawing, walking, talking, breathing, and other ways that work for me. Oh, I love that so much. Me too.
1: Thank you very much for being on the show today. I really appreciate it. Thank you for it. having me, Laura Lee. And we'll stay close. Please. Yes, I love this conversation. Thank you so much. Me too. Thank you. Thank you for listening. And be sure and follow me on Patreon, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and it's not about Thanks.